Thank you, Tim. I invite you to keep your Bibles open there to Ephesians chapter 3 this morning. It's that time of year when we often think about making New Year's resolutions, and there is certainly value in taking inventory of your own life, um, prayerfully setting some goals for your own life, and there is certainly value in working hard to accomplish those goals. But this morning, I am not going to talk to you about resolutions that you should or could make for this new year. Instead, I would like to talk with you about, uh, I want to talk to you about the work that God has promised to do in your life in this new year. You could say, uh, here are God's New Year's resolutions for you. And we, we see these resolutions in what Paul asked God to do in the Ephesian church. This is Paul's prayer for you. And this is my prayer for you. This is what I ask God to do in your lives, in our lives together. Um, this is really what God wants to do in your life. If you notice there at the beginning of verse 14, um, Paul says, for this reason. Now, he had started chapter 3, verse 1, saying the same thing, but then he went on a rabbit trail for 13 verses. And now, here in verse 14, he is going to complete the thought that he had started in chapter 3, verse 1, for this reason. For what reason? Paul is referring back to all of the things that he had said in the first two chapters of Ephesians, namely that in Christ you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. You have been chosen by God. You are holy and blameless in Christ. You are predestined to be adopted as sons. You have been redeemed through the shed blood of Jesus. You have been given a rich inheritance in Christ and you have the security deposit of the Holy Spirit that guarantees your inheritance. So all of this is true even though we were once spiritually dead. Um, but it was God who loved us and it was God who made us alive. He saved us by grace. Uh, it's a rich and wonderful grace. He gave us the lavish gift of eternal life that we don't deserve. As the message on our auditorium walls say each, each, each week, we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, all to God's glory alone. But there is more. The second half of chapter 2 of Ephesians teaches us how God gave us peace, not only with him, but with one another. But, but more than that, all types of people from every language and nation are being built together in Christ by the Spirit to be a dwelling place for God by the Holy Spirit. In 
the first part of chapter 3, we're told that it was God's plan from the beginning of time that the church made up of believers from every nation would manifest the wisdom and glory of God. We are indeed so richly blessed. But here's an important question. If indeed you are richly blessed in Christ, then why does Paul pray for you to be strengthened by the Spirit? I thought Paul had told us that the Spirit is already dwelling with us. Why do you need to know the love of Christ? I, I thought Paul told us that we were loved with a great love already. Why do you need to be filled with the fullness of God? It, it sounds like Paul is saying you are blessed. Now, I'm going to pray that you will be blessed. So what really is going on here in this prayer in verses 14 through 21? And I would suggest that the answer really is quite simple. We have in position position before God in Christ, we have in position what we don't yet have in our day-to-day experience. Uh, Said another way, we are justified before God, we're accepted before God based upon the work that Christ did for us, but we are now in the process of being sanctified in our daily lives. When we are in Christ, we are counted righteous by God. And yet, and yet in our daily lives, we don't always live in righteous ways. Uh, we are, in fact, in the process of being sanctified. Uh, let me illustrate that. All, all of the spiritual blessings that we learn about in Ephesians 1 and 2, um, all of those spiritual blessings are mine. I'm saved, I'm forgiven, I'm a child of God, I'm and because I'm in Christ, when God sees me, he, he sees me as a holy, blameless person. I have peace with God, I have peace with other believers. And, and yet, sometimes we don't experience peace in those relationships. As I have mentioned to you before, there are times when Shelley and I don't experience peace in our relationship. Sometimes we have conflict. Sometimes we disagree. Sometimes we don't see things the same way. In Christ, we have peace with God and with each other, but there are times when we don't experience that peace. Now, when that happens, my identity in Christ did not change. All of the spiritual blessings of Christ are still mine. I never lost the Holy Spirit as a deposit that guarantees my inheritance. I never lost my salvation. God didn't stop counting me as righteous. But in my experience, I had some very significant needs. What, what was it that I needed? What did we need? We needed what this sermon is all about this morning. And I would suggest and I have a hunch that Shelley and I are probably not alone. I would suspect that you at times have conflicts with others, maybe even daily. I, I would suspect that you may at times face temptations, strong temptations to 
to say hurtful things to others or to hold on to a bitter or resentful attitude towards others. I would suspect that at times you may even think if, if we're so blessed as Christians or as a church family, why do I still have so many struggles? Maybe you feel that your problems will never go away. It's even possible that you hear all about these wonderful spiritual blessings that, that Ephesians 1 and 2 talk about, but when you look at the problems that you're still facing in your own life right now, you may be tempted to have doubts about your own salvation. You may even think that these so-called spiritual blessings are a bunch of bunk or just wishful thinking. Our, our problem is that we are not yet in experience what we are positionally in Christ. In Christ, we are counted as righteous. In Christ, we are considered holy and blameless. But in our day-to-day living, we still sin. Our, our problem is not our position. Our problem is not all of the spiritual blessings that are ours in Christ. Quite the contrary, our position, our identity, our relationship with Christ is where we find the necessary strength for lasting change to take place in our day-to-day lives. Uh, simply put, if it, it's, it's only because we are blessed in Christ that we will be able to grow and change in an ever-increasing way. What we need today as Christians is what Paul prayed for in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. This prayer expresses Paul's desire for the church in Ephesus. This is God's desire for you. Um, This is my desire for you. If we are alive in Christ, then this is how we will be growing in Christ. So what should we expect God to do in your life over this next year? Now, remember that normally this type of growth is progressive. It happens little by little. Uh, Sometimes there can be bigger growth spurts, but often growth is little by little. But it is real growth. It is real change. Paul Paul mentions three basic requests. Uh, Again, these represent God's desire for you. May you, number one, may you be strengthened with the power of the Holy Spirit. May, number two, may you know with all of the saints the love of Christ. And number three, may you be filled with the fullness of God. Now, first, may you be strengthened with the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 16 says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So when Paul prays according to the riches of his glory, he is not praying that God will give you his riches 
uh, give from his riches, rather as Kent Hughes states, Paul is asking God to give strength on the scale and in the style of wealth of God's glory. So if a billionaire gave from his riches, he might give money to lots of people to build shanties in the slums. If a billionaire gave according to his riches, he might give away mansions. In other words, Paul is praying for something extraordinary, not ordinary. This is what God wants to do in you. But it's not a prayer for physical strength either. Notice that Paul prays for the Father to give strength through his inner spirit, through his spirit in their inner beings or in their hearts. So the, the heart is the place where God's spirit meets us and shapes us. It includes our mind and our emotions and our will. Our, our problem is not that we don't think or that we don't desire. Our problem is that we think wrong thoughts and desire wrong things. So we desperately need God to give us strength through his spirit in our inner being so that the thoughts and desires of our heart will come into an alignment with God's moral will for our lives. And if that happens, our behavior will follow. That's where the power of the Holy Spirit is needed. And that kind of change, bringing our thoughts and our desires into alignment with God's thoughts and desires, that's something that only the Holy Spirit can do. And this is where we need to remember that nothing is too difficult for God. But as we come to verse 17, we read, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, this phrase explains the request of verse 16 more clearly. Um, most of the time, Paul speaks of us being in Christ, but here, Paul prays that Christ will be in us, that Christ will dwell in us. And the way Paul put together this phrase, he's only done that a total of five times in his writings. This is one of the five. Now, when Paul says that we are in Christ, that means that all of the spiritual blessings are ours because of our living union, a relationship with Christ. When Paul prays that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He, he's really praying, and he wants the moral character of Christ to take up permanent residence in your inner being. Galatians 4.19, I think, helps us see this when Paul prays. And he, he, he says this, and he prays this for a church that he loves, Galatians he says, I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. So God's desire for you is that the thoughts and the desires and character of Christ will permeate every aspect of your being. So if Christ dwells in you, then the character and the desires and the thoughts of Christ should be manifest in the way that you live. It's 
a desire for the character of Christ to be vividly reflected in your life. Secondly, Paul prays, may you know with all of the saints the love of Christ. Uh, Verse 17 says that you being rooted and grounded in love. So God is the one that is rooted and grounded you in love. God loved you with a great love through the cross of Christ, and that's left an indelible mark upon you. You will never be the same because you are the recipients of God's love for you in Christ. So this idea of being rooted is an agricultural term, speaking of having deep roots. Um, Being grounded is a construction term, speaking of having a solid foundation. So when God chose to love you through the cross of Christ, he gave you everything that you need to begin to love God and to love neighbor. Um, so that, that's where this prayer is going. It's because you are rooted and established in God's love for you, given in Christ, that Paul prays that you may have strength to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Now, this is really kind of a, an odd request. Um, may you know that which surpasses knowledge. <laughs> it, it's a way of expressing that God's love is far greater than we can ever imagine. But that shouldn't stop us from basking in the beauty of God's love or striving to understand it more fully. God's love for us is wide and long and high. It's deep, more more than anything that we can imagine, but the love is for us, the prayer is for us to have strength, strength that comes from the Holy Spirit to comprehend with all of the saints. We do this together to comprehend the infinite love of God. Then Paul goes on and he says, may you know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Now, this word for know, it's not just an intellectual understanding of Christ's love. Rather, it's the kind of understanding that leads you to experience Christ's love. It's a type of understanding that leads to a change in your life. Uh, You will forever be different because you know Christ's love. Um, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So Christ showed his love for us by going to the cross and dying in our place for our sins. This act of love atoned for our sins. It restored us to a right relationship with God. Um, Christ's death, in fact, gave us 
life. And when we know this love and have experienced this love, it changes us. And the most fundamental change it brings about is that we begin to love God and we begin to love each other. That's why Paul expresses his desire for you along with all of the saints to comprehend how great Christ's love really is for us, how long and how wide and how deep is the love of Christ for you. There is no greater love than when Christ laid down his life for you. Um, 1 John 4, 19 teaches us that this love, God's love for us in Christ, drives away the fear of judgment. Uh, Romans eight thirty nine tells us that we will never be separated from God's love for us in Christ Jesus. This, this is the love that God wants you to know and experience with, with all of the saints. And when you do, this, this is how you will be changed. John 13, verses 34 and 35 say, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So when we have, when we know and have experienced God's love for us, it changes us where we have love for one another. And that's how the world will know that we belong to Christ. There's a third desire that God has for you. It's this, may you be filled with the fullness of God. Now, if the power of the Holy Spirit is doing his work in our lives so that Christ will dwell in us. And if the Holy Spirit enables us to experience God's love for one another the way that he has loved us, we're really well on the way to being filled with the fullness of God. Um, that is, we, we will reflect his image and his character in the world in an ever-increasing way. Um, I like how Kent Hughes illustrates this. He says, if you were to bend over and scoop up water from the ocean with a pint-sized jar, you can say that the jar is full with the ocean water and at the very same time say that the immensity of the ocean cannot begin to be contained in that pint-sized jar. And so Paul prays, and I pray for you. May you be strengthened with the power of the Holy Spirit. May you know with all of the saints the, the love of Christ. May you be filled with the fullness of God. Now, if that sounds impossible to you, if that sounds unlikely to you, if that sounds like, well, that might be true for others, but you really don't know my life. Look at verse 20. Verse 20 says, Now, to him who is able to do 
far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. I want you to know that God is able. Uh, is there anything too difficult for God? I, I'm thankful that he is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can think or ask. Because I, I think that oftentimes we, we don't pray or we don't live in light of the truth that God really can move mountains. We look at track records. We look at experiences that we've had. And uh, yeah, I know I need to pray, but I'm just not sure that this person will change. I don't know if my life will change. I don't know if our circumstances will change, if my attitude will change. But God invites us to think big thoughts about what he can do and only what he can do. So when we see problems, let's remember the fact that, that God is able to move mountains. God is able to do far more than we can ever think or imagine. So that ought to encourage us to keep believing, to keep trusting, to keep asking God to work. So this is God's desire for you this year, to know that God is able to empower you by his Holy Spirit in your inner being so that you can live in light of God's love for you in Christ Jesus and so that you can love others as Christ has loved you. This love will include being filled. So when you understand God's love for you in Christ, it, it will include you being filled with peace, even in the midst of the storms of life. There will be, your heart will be filled with hope and comfort that only the gospel can, can give when you face the reality of your own sin. It will also produce in you an ability to give yourself selflessly and sacrificially to others for their good, for their good. This love that reflects Christ will be a love that is patient and kind. It will not envy or boast. It will not be arrogant or rude. It will not insist on its own way. It will not be irritable or resentful. It will not rejoice at wrongdoing, but will rejoice with the truth. This love will bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, endure all things. Love will never not have a place in your life and relationships. Now, all of these things are important. Uh, all of these things that we've talked about this morning are important. You, you being empowered by the Holy Spirit to know the love of Christ, to be filled with the fullness of God, they are important and it's the kind of thing that changes you, but don't miss the reason. Don't miss the purpose for your growth and change. You'll notice the purpose for your growth and change becomes really, really important. You see that there in verse 21. 
verse 21 says, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Um, This is really why your growth matters in 2023. Um, God wants you to be strengthened with the power of the Holy Spirit so that you know the love of Christ, so that you'll be filled with the fullness of God, but he wants that so that your life will bring him glory. Your life will reflect the character of Christ for the praise of his name. Uh, Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, teaches us that God created you for his glory. So as we think about why am I here? What's my purpose in life? What's the purpose for my being? Um, He created you for his glory to reflect the beauty of who he is. God not just created you, but he saved you for the praise of his glory. We read earlier uh, as we started today, verses 11 through 14 of Ephesians 1, where in the end of that section there, where Paul describes all the, the blessings that are ours in Christ, um, the reason it, that we have been blessed in Christ is so that we would live for the praise of his glory. We, we, every day, not just when we gather together on Sunday mornings, but the, the heartbeat that we have is to see God be glorified, for us to reflect his character in an ever-increasing way, in ways that would exalt his name. And in this text for today, verses 14 through 21, I mean, God created you for his glory. He saved you. That salvation includes you being transformed. It includes you gradually, progressively being changed, little by little, um, day by day, year by year, so that the, the transformation that takes place in your life will reflect the very character of Christ. God's desire for you this year is to continue being transformed so that your life and character will reflect the life and character of Jesus for the praise of his name. Um, So may he strengthen you with the power of the Holy Spirit in your being so that you may know the weightiness, the significance of Christ's love in you so that your life can be filled with the fullness of God for the praise of his name. Let's pray together. Father, we confess that it's very easy for us, far too easy for us, to kind of lose our way, to get lost in this world, to pursue all kinds of selfish ambitions and dreams, thinking that that's where we'll find our purpose in life. Um, Lord, we hear again and again, be true to yourself. We hear again and again, Uh, Just be yourself. But Lord, what we see in your word and what we hear from you is 
that we need less of self and we need more of you. And Father, I pray that what you have taught us in these verses will become a growing reality in all of us. Lord, what we can't do in our own strength, only you can do by the power of your Holy Spirit. And that is for us to be strengthened and to comprehend your great love for us and to change us so that our life reflects more and more of you. What a, what a daunting task. Um, as we think about that, it's, it's hard to really comprehend how we can really take on and reflect your character in ways that would cause people to see your character. But Lord, we're reminded that it's really your power at work in us that enables that reality to, to happen. And I do pray for each one here this morning individually. I pray for us as a whole, as a church, that, that Lord, these things would become ours more and more throughout this next year. Help us to think carefully about how we interact with one another. Help us to grow in our ability to love one another in the ways in which you have loved us. And I, I pray that we will do that in a, in a way that would point people to you. We, we want to be a, a fragrant, uh, um, a fr our, our lives to be a fragrant offering to you. We, we want to be the aroma of Christ to the world. And so, Lord, in our weakness, would you empower us by your spirit so that you will be honored and glorified in us individually, but even more so collectively as a church. You are worthy of this. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, I invite you.